three, two, one. Welcome to the System and Soul podcast, a place for founders and entrepreneurs to discover breakthrough in their business. I'm Benj Miller, fellow founder, business coach, and your host. This is your place to gain clarity and control as you lead through the challenges you face every day in your business. Running a business is just hard, so we're bringing you the conversations with people who are figuring it out, have figured it out, to help you find breakthrough. Welcome to the System and Soul podcast. Welcome back to System and Soul. This is your host, Benj Miller, and I am continuing a conversation with Robbie Angle and Mark Butler on intentionality. So if you haven't heard part one of that, go listen to that first. Uh, give you a little more context for where we're at in the conversation. But the reason that we're digging into this idea of intentionality is because I have seen it show up in the fruit of these two gentlemen's lives and what they're able to do because they're intentional. And, and intentionality can cause pain and friction and things we don't want to think about, but uh, the, the results from it are huge. So that's why we're leaning in, and it's a new year, so it's a great time to do that. Uh, Mark and Robbie, welcome back. We're going to pick up right, right kind of where we were. We are talking about parenting, but um, like you said, Robbie, if 80% of, of parenting is modeling a decent human being and a decent marriage. How are you guys being intentional with your marriage right now? Hey, can uh, can I ask a different question, start somewhere different, and then go to marriage? Is that allowed on this podcast? Uh, it sounds like you already did. All right, here's the situation. We're talking about like things we can do that are intentional, like practices, that kind of thing, which misses, that, that's like 20%. The 80% is like, what is the macro perspective that we avoid in our lives about intentionality that then leads to the plans, the systems, the things that we're doing? Like in the last episode, we talked about the things we're doing at work and with our kids, but really that's like, that's the byproduct. That's the symptom, not the source. So what's the source, the 80%? I really think like the, the men that I've learned from and what wisdom looks like in this area of intentionality is just a really intentional focus on the destination or the goal. Like there's a, which we can't see clearly because it's the future and the destination. And so there's a, there's a holistic macro approach to intentionality that is underpinned with seeking wisdom for a preferred future, having clarity of the preferred future, and then reverse engineering into what actionables I can do today. But if we have that wrong destination preferred future, then we're spending our lives building an intentional ladder that gets us on the wrong building, whatever that metaphor is. And we get to the top and we're like, oh, we missed it. So I think all this is like silly. I mean, we can be the most intentional maximizers in the world. And if it's the wrong area, then we, we missed it entirely. And so those questions of like, uh, you know, there's macro questions that wisdom asks and wise men and women ask of us it's like, what am I missing or what matters or um, why am I made? Like, wh why am I here? And you can't, and there's an order to those. Like you can't identify what am I missing until you know what matters until that you go, well, what's the point of life? You know, why am I made? Why am I here? And so that order of like really uh, seeking wisdom and processing 
uh, why I'm made, why I'm here, what's the point of my life, then leads us to the secondary step of, okay, then what matters? If I have an idea of what the point of life is, why I'm here, then I can say, well, what matters? What's most important? And then if I can clarify what's most important, then I can answer the question of uh, what's missing in my life. So there's a order of thinking that we can't do ourselves because we're limited in our wisdom uh, and perspectives. So having the time, the courage, and the prioritization to ask those questions with those ahead of us that we trust is like, if there's one macro thing uh, that I think all of us could move towards intentionality is, do we have counsel from those ahead of us to ask these intentional questions of what's the point? Why am I here? Why, why am I made? In order to say what matters, in order to then determine what's missing. Like I'm not taking my wife on a date or I'm not yeah. spending quality time. I'm not aware of her love languages and therefore intention uh, being intentional about that. So I just, I, I hate to go practical. Well, but that's a good reframe. Like, because I, um, I'm sure that I skipped that because I, I think you two, you two do that so well. So that was my frame of reference, but yes, that could easily go unsaid and unacknowledged that we're not just being intentional to be like better, you know, better humans or more, more productive, more efficient. There's a bigger goal and mission. Um, and I think you guys have wrestled with those hard questions. So I'm trying to steal your life hacks to help other people. See, and that's the miss. Yeah, I can't steal all of Mark's life hacks. Oh, that's right. And if I don't understand the principal questions, it's like Tom Brady has life hacked life. He's like the goat. He's married to a supermodel and he's like internationally famous. And look at his face. He's like depressed and sad and he's going through divorce and like, the macros that's sorry tom i don't mean that that was a bad example but <laughs> listening like we need you know the rate of divorce is highest among wealthy older people because they climb the wrong ladder and so what matters most to reverse engineering which we can't do on our own so if there's one greatest cheat code don't pair it or take a good idea and apply it like find uh someone ahead of you that looks like your hopes and the longings of your heart to be like to get to Find somebody ahead and say, guide me and coach me on. But, but I think, I think you are that you are now you have that, but you are now that. And so that is this conversation because I think there's going to be people that are, uh, going to be inspired, encouraged, have new ideas, have new thoughts. I had never thought about that. I didn't know that I could be in, that intentional in that area of my life. And so just by us having this conversation in a public forum, I think you're getting to be that sage that that you sought out before in your life of which i'd say thank you to you and second for the people listening i mean the number one thing would be are you intentional and consistently pursuing wisdom from somebody ahead of you and what matters yeah because if that's not the case that's like the greatest cheat code hack to life and, uh, it, and so if we're going to be intentional about living lives of purpose and well-lived in our marriage and family and all, and businesses and leadership and all that stuff, if we're not intentional and consistently seeking and trusting the wisdom of those in our lives, um, we're missing out. And so the fact that you're listening to this podcast in episode two of intentionality means you have a posture and a wisdom and a, uh, to seek out and continue to 
uh, pursue wisdom. Yeah. But learning wisdom is one thing. Trusting wisdom is a whole separate thing. Yeah. Because I don't agree. I don't see it. But I'm going to trust that, uh, which you can't do without relationship because you don't trust me. Whoever's listening to this, they don't, you know, or they, you pr- they probably trust you. They've listened to you enough, but. Who knows? Yeah. But this whole conversation is a cool product of a group of guys who sought not only sages ahead of them, but a band of brothers. That's how we all know each other is through uh, a group that are, that are now sages. They are in their 60s, Rusty Gordon, 70s, 70s. Uh, John Ritchie, who you've heard his name a million times on this podcast, Reggie Campbell, who's now past but is probably the number one common denominator be- between us um you know they with a, a group of probably two or three more guys charlie paparelli um is pete in that group yeah. Pete and brandon um carl woodruff those guys have have journeyed life together with consistency i think they have a monthly dinner um and they get real uh, and they've gotten real for a long time and the the ripples of their impact from that group of guys that have done, they do it together and then they go do their own things. But the ripple of their things, uh, we're in Atlanta and it's, it's very visible in this city. Uh, and I think that, you know, they're aging out. Reggie passed last year, Rusty moved to a farm. Um, John's still in the game. Charlie's, Charlie's backing out. He wants to focus on his, his grandkids. And, and there's, there's a void coming where, there is a next season of leadership um, that that needs to be tangible. It needs a voice. It needs hands and feet. And um, you guys are leading the way. You know, especially with what you do, Mark. So diligent about the the six or eight guys that you take through your program every year. Um, anyway, back to marriage. That, but that's the that's the point, though. I mean, that's the that's the cheat. Like, if if, if there's one determinant of whether a man or woman stays the course and finishes well, which let's be real, it's a narrow road. All of us listening, like if you look at a, a hundred men and women in their seventies, how many lived a life of intentionality and purpose and, and like stayed the course is very few because it's hard and it's a narrow road and there's things that take us out and we get derailed or whatever. And so if there's it, like, again, my issues of fears of, not being on that narrow road, reverse engineering and studying that for the past 30 years, I think the single greatest determinant and variable of whether somebody maintains the course and finishes well is if they're intentional and consistent with others in their life they're fully known by. Like, that's it. Like, that's the life hack of intentionality because you and you, I'm pointing to y'all in this room, Tell me when my fly is down. Tell, ask me the hard questions because we've had the reps to trust each other and we're intentional and consistent enough to to help me from being me. You're protecting me from my weaknesses and you're supporting me in my strengths and pushing me to my potential, which I can't do because I'm subjective and you're objective and those guys ahead of us. And that that's the essence of what they did. They understood the value of that. They built us they prioritize that relationship, which is super hard in our thirties, forties, and fifties to prioritize relationships yeah. because it's for all the reasons they prioritized it. That was the hack that why those men are so con- they're abnormally successfully living lives of intentionality and purpose and on the narrow path. And that's the secret sauce yeah. is that intentionality relationally. So, uh, again, I just like, if there's one thing, that's it. 
Now, best practices, go read a book on marriage stuff. I mean, I'm, we'll talk about it, Benj, to honor you since you asked the question. It's your podcast. But uh, that's the thing you can't cheat and bypass, which is hard. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I get a little fired up about that. that well, that is your that is your soapbox that you're on for a good reason. Like, that's your world. So, yeah. so guys, we talked last episode about the, the quote that had really been burning a hole in me for the last year or so. And the quote is, to feel the pleasure of God, find your gift and serve his people. And we talked about, I, I, talk, I mentioned that, that I feel like I have the spiritual gift of encouragement. Um, if I do have one other gift, I think it's really, I mean, second half of my life, I've been able to uh, latch on to really good advice and learn from other people's mistakes. And so to piggyback on what you're talking with these uh, legends and sages with Rusty Gordon and, and Reggie Campbell and I mean, across the board, podcasts that I listen to. So from a, uh, an advice perspective, I mean, one of the, my wife, Sarah, and I, one of the things that we've been focusing on from a parenting perspective uh, came from a podcast and a book from Andy and Sandra Stanley. And they talk about their uh, North Star of parenting is they want kids who enjoy being with us and with, with each other when they no longer have to be. I love that. And so the the North Star parenting from that is 100% relationship based. Yeah. And so every aspect of from a parenting and family perspective is going to be focused on the relationship, building, rebuilding, uh, maintaining a relationship with the children and with the spouse. And so he set very few rules in his household. Uh, I think first and foremost is honor your mother. And the second rule is never tell a lie. And so all uh, the, the cool thing is I, I'm in a, a very uh, discipline focused season with three I mean, super active boys and a three-nager baby girl who I mean basically gets anything and everything she wants. And so from a kind of a, a mantra perspective, I mean, the, 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 the kind of the key golden rules from that perspective is no uh, dishonesty, no disrespect, no disobedience. But the, the focus is going to be, uh, the, any and all discipline is going to be focused on restoring that relationship. And so yeah. uh, kind of a neat example. Last night, I mean, uh, we had uh, a baseball lesson and then made the mistake of trying to take the family out to dinner. And it was, I mean, Robbie, I God bless you with eight children. It was <laughs> a, a complete train wreck. We don't go out to dinner. Yeah, finally... Finally came to the pinnacle of, uh, I mean, crayons were being cut up with knives. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then the pinnacle was my nine-year-old was doing the breaststroke on a table and yeah, kind of yeah. look over. My, my wife did an amazing job. She walked over with him and kind of grabbed him and took him to the car. Dinner's over. No dessert, no ice cream. Had a long conversation uh, in the car. I took the rest of the family and we picked up Brewster's ice cream. But it's like the, if you have that kind of North Star in parenting specifically focused on you want to build into these kids that they want to hang on, they, they want to spend time with us and with each other uh, when they no longer have to. I mean, that's... I mean, was this form so bad that you couldn't give him ice cream? It, the, just the form was awful? What was the problem? Was it a train wreck? <laughs> Absolute. So what's y'all... From a dinner perspective, I mean, if we go out and eat, we try to eat as fast as we can and tip really well. Yeah. That's the plan. Yeah. What's y'all... What's your North Star for marriage to honor Benj's question? So hold on. It's You You remind me of something huge on parenting, and then we're, I, I would love to talk about marriage. But um, the... Like our guiding principles of, of of 
parenting very much in line with what you said parent their heart but raise adults so that's what we're trying to do we're not trying to raise kids we're trying to raise adults so our you know six-year-old packs his lunch for school because we don't need to do that he needs to do that he needs to learn how to do it because whether you're six or you know 26 mom and dad aren't going to be there to do it for you so they're not neglected or abandoned but they are pretty self-sufficient Ben Sass wrote a great book, uh, The Vanishing American Adult, which is a, it's a great parenting book from a senator. Uh, anyways, just as a freebie if anybody's in that season. Good plug. Marriage. What's your North Star? I want to hear y'all's North Star. Like, what what's the destination, the goal that you hope for in your marriage? Uh, my hope would be that um, we are in love with each other 60 years into marriage. I just made that up, but I think that's it. What about you, Mark? So my North Star is, I mean, to be happy at home is the ultimate result of all ambition. So anything and everything that I do on a day-to-day basis is, I mean, to, I mean, you see all these guys, and especially with the these young, high-potential leaders I work with, I mean, they... They, they make the mistake that their family, they think their family serves their job and when actually it should be their job is serving their family. And so being happy at home from a marriage perspective, uh, I think this is a John Ritchie quote. I mean, if your marriage is your base camp. And so if you're if you're not happy at home I mean you, you are vulnerable in every other area of your life. And so I, I, I probably... Uh, my my wife Sarah is really really good at it at I mean planning dates and vacation and family outings and a lot of that she's she's so good at it so I take a back seat but certainly an area that uh, I mean a couple of things that th- that I work with these young guys on are I mean never setting an expectation at work that's going to be in variance of your responsibilities at home mm-hmm. so I see a lot of I mean you see these young potential guys that are the missiles that are 80 hour a week type guys that are trying to make partner. And I mean, if your, your wife understands if, if the ox is in the ditch one time and you might need to work late and get something done. But I mean, the, the problem is when the ox is in the ditch every night yeah. and you're, yeah. get the kids to bed and pop open the laptop and spend two hours focused on a project or a writing assignment or what have you and I mean, different sleeping arrangements and going to bed at different times. So just from a North Star perspective is, I mean, marriage is the base camp. Yeah. My goal is just to have more sex. Is that, I mean, intentionality. What leads to that? Is that allowed? You can edit that out, Benj. I'm not the editor. Everything's good with me. In my ring, it says cherish and serve. Like I want her to feel cherished and served. Like that's it. And if, if that's a North Star, then we'll be together 60 years and look back more in love than we are now. Hey, listener, I wanted to take a second in the middle of this episode to take a time out and tell you about one of our partners. The key to running a successful organization is having a bench of leaders you can rely on. But building leaders can be daunting and costly. There's not enough time in the day for you to mentor every person on your team, and it takes a lot of effort to gather resources and measure leadership growth in your people. 
That's why WildSpark created a scalable leadership development system to grow your people in a consistent way. Each month, your people will hop online, learn essential leadership skills tailored to your organization's goals. Then your team will meet together and discuss practical application. It's a turnkey leadership development system that's scalable, sustainable, and strategic. Your people are the key to your success. Invest in their growth with WildSpark. Learn more at wildspark.com. That's W-I-L-D-S-P-A-R-Q.com. That's wildspark with a Q.com. With eight kids, how do you have a marriage and not just a house of co-parenting? I thought you were going to ask with eight kids, how do you have a shot at your goal <laughs> of having sex? It's very difficult. That's for another podcast. Um, yeah, I, I think just uh, Mike, like um, Emily is better at this um, because I'm like, how do you get any alone time? And she's found little ways to get micro doses of what she needs. Like she'll listen to a certain type of music in the morning while she's getting ready that helps her like get those spaces together. And so we're trying to find little pockets. Uh, like after dinner, we try to sit together for 15 minutes because that's about all you can get. Yeah. And, you know, we don't, we should get away for a night every quarter and, you know, go to a hotel, get away. We just can't do that because we can't take advantage of my mother-in-law that much. Um, so we try to get the little moments of intentionality and like spending an hour on a Sunday afternoon during nap time where we talk about the week, it does wonders for us being on the same page and connecting and uh, so little things like that. Yeah. We're not great now though. It's hard. My frame for this year for marriage is just um, healthy people make healthy marriages. So how can I support her into mm. like her separate of me just you know being the healthiest version of herself and then me take care of me and see what happens in terms of like what if i'm not as intentional with my marriage but i'm just intentional with making sure she has the the space and resources and whatever to be the healthiest version of her peter burke is smiling right now peter's one of these sages who we're learning yeah. from and he focuses on marriage and the greatest counsel of wisdom that I've trusted in regards to steering how I engage with Emily came from him. He said, find that thing that ignites her heart, uh, which is what you just said, like the best version of herself. If it's gardening, like, and she has a, and she's a terrible gardener, it doesn't matter. Buy her all the gardening stuff, encourage it, celebrate it to ignite her passions and her heart, which goes back to what Mark was talking about of like, find our design, what brings us alive. And as if we can, if we can celebrate and protect and bless that in our spouses, which means we have to be attentive to what makes Eric alive or Sarah or Emily, uh, find what that thing that they love, that they, that lights up and then just support it, encourage it, fund it, whatever that is. And if we did that for each other, Emily does that for me better than I do it for her, but that's how we serve each other. We, we honor each other and we serve each other by affirming and encouraging do better Robbie do better uh intentionality so so um if 80 percent of all of this is how we lead ourselves well so that we can have a great marriage great relationships great business all the intentionality what are you guys doing for yourself this year how you what boundaries what goals what practices what anything different 
Yeah, with me, Benj, I, again, trying to focus on that perfect day and cadence design. So giving me ample opportunities to uh, excel in specific areas, whether it's I mean, business or health or family, understanding the, I mean, the daily cadence, the, the weekly cadence, the monthly, the yearly cadence, and how my business cycle, coaching cycle, mentoring cycle fits within that cadence. And so uh, specifically, I, I found that if I'm not spending that hour of time in my Bible on a daily basis or journaling or writing or reading something from either a uh, faith-based or personal development perspective, then I'm off the whole next day. So, I mean, I, I specifically find that I'm if I'm not caring for myself from a, uh, a personal development, spiritual development perspective, that it affects every single thing that I do. So from a marriage perspective, from a parenting perspective, from a, a coaching perspective, from a leadership development perspective. So if, I, if I'm not in the Word or uh, in some type of... Uh, spiritual development focus on a daily basis in the morning then the, the, typically the whole day shot and then the same way from an from an athletic perspective like if I uh, I set a goal to, uh, to be in the gym at least four days per week and so whether that's I mean in the pool or lifting weights or on the treadmill if I'm not uh, I mean feet on the pavement I mean getting out some of that stress or trying to kind of think through problems or issues so I, I absolutely um spend that time in, in the gym on a weekly basis. And we, then we can tell Mark, but keep going. And then finally from, uh, you guys know I love to fish. And so I plan a typically a four to five hour fishing trip uh, on a weekly basis. That's typically planned out uh, a couple of weeks to a month in advance. And that's really time that I get to, I, I want to spend time with people where we can have deep, intimate intimate conversations about things that matter and I, I get a lot of my personal development I think from I mean, taking a guy like you Benj or, or you Robbie out on the boat and really some side-by-side -side time it's it's not that face-to-face -face time where you're staring over a coffee looking into someone's eyes it's more that that time where you're I think men bond and doing active type stuff. And so, I mean, having a line in the water and being able to talk through things that matter with people that, that I love and respect, I mean, that is so, so life-giving to me on a weekly basis. And the people that you invite. That's what's up. Uh, like when I think of like atomic habits, the things that help me stay healthy and balanced, I think that there's one main one that I've settled into about six months ago of like, I cannot look at a screen for until like nine o'clock. So I get to the office at seven and that, and I, like, I can't even look at it before I get to the office. I don't listen to the radio. I like zero inputs into my head. Uh, but time between six, when I wake up and nine, uh, and that has provided the space, uh, to focus on what matters, to process and contemplate, to read, to do the things that help me stay balanced. Um, because once I, once an input hits via a, a being a team, like a text message and email, my, the machine of my brain can't slow down. And therefore I, I've functioned days on end without being present, engaged, or in the space of asking the, of 
the bigger questions like why am I made, what matters, and what's missing in my life that I have to slow it down. And so that hack, that atomic habit, whatever, which is cutting that has been the biggest differentiator for me. Yeah, I might need to pick that up. I'm really, my my word, my goal for the year is sobriety. And I don't, I don't necessarily struggle with alcohol or drugs, but screens and distractions, things that take me away from the present. And so to be totally sober in the moment, um, being able to handle whatever emotions, problems, et cetera, come my way. I think that's the biggest area for growth for me. Last year was physical. I, I accomplished some big physical things that I wanted to do. Uh, Again, we can tell, but keep them. Yeah, I got in the best shape of my life. Not so much anymore. Sliding into the new year. But uh, the, the, I think this year is going to have a different focus. I'm, I'm struggling less to find the motivation to go all in on on the physicality part of it. But there's something to the sobriety and presence and slowness um, that I think I'm being invited into. So you guys are both obviously very intentional people. You're also intentional uh, with relationships that we've touched on a bunch of times, but how, when that shows up in our leadership or how we think about leadership, we talk about at System and Soul that 80% of leadership is leading yourself well. And if we can do that well, then we can help other people lead themselves well. So less about leading other people and more about enabling other people to lead themselves well. I know that's you maybe wouldn't use those words, Mark, but that's what you do with your leadership development. And then, uh, Robbie, you've got your own kind of frame on, on leadership. So I'd love to spend our last minutes together kind of talking through this idea of leadership in a way that, um, maybe is less accidental and more intentional. There's a, um, I'm going to mess up this stat slightly, but it's something close to, um, I just heard this, uh, or maybe it was on our podcast. You can go fact check it. Uh, the first time that most people get management training, this isn't even leadership. Leadership's another thing, but let's start with management. It's like 46 years old. But the first time that they average age, somebody starts to manage other people is like 28, which means that the majority of our workforce is managing people and untrained to do so. And that just lacks such intentionality that we're not replicating leaders, growing people, so how are you guys thinking about that? What are you doing? Uh, I mean, I, I spend a lot of time working with teams. Uh, if, the, if, if we help um, mature into our potential with intentionality, uh, we have people that we're intentional and consistent with, uh, which means what is the pattern for that? Intentional and consistent means we're cons consistent. There's a routine, so we get the reps, and intentional means we maximize that time. So those are small enough pockets where we can be more known uh, in order to be uh, in order for our strengths to be encouraged and our weaknesses to be protected. Therefore, we can maximize the power of relationships in order to continue and grow. And so you think about that in your life. Those, that's like your family system. That's your leadership team or your team at work. That's a small group. That's a peer group. That's your fantasy football group. We gather in smaller pockets because we long for longing and belonging. And so what are those environments that you can find that? Um, and so small groups, I was doing that for a while. And so some small groups that get together six to 12 people with intentionality and consistency for a purpose, most of those are lame. Uh, and so what differentiates those? Same with leadership teams. Leadership teams are 
five to seven people that get together to accomplish a purpose and those meetings, those gatherings are consistent, but typically not as intentional and, and they're, whether they're effective or not, what are the differentiators uh, between a transformational group and a non-transformational group? And I think there's five. It's a sailing metaphor. We wrote a book called The Cure for Groups for Small Groups to Not Be Lame. And the first component is determine your destination. It's a sailing metaphor. So do you know where you're going, which we've talked a lot about on this podcast? Uh, common, common purpose. Yes, I'm common people. purpose. Determine the goals for your group. This is what y'all do in System and Soul. The second part is the captain. Whoever's responsible, uh, are you leading with intentionality and vulnerability? And that's not just the leader. That's each of us in the group. We have effect. We lead everybody else in the group. And so are we leading with intentionality and in particular vulnerability to set a precedent of an environment that is high trust? Um, the third part's the crew. You're going to have a culture of your crew on the boat on a journey and so have you have you clarified your group culture which system and soul does really well as a system to help you clarify what is your culture what are your values what are the spoken and the unspoken rules of how you're going to operate uh you either can speak that and shape it or you can let it uh figure itself out the fourth is the ship uh like you have a vessel to get you to where you're going is it uh the right structure and that's system as old, like that 90 minute weekly meeting. Um, what that's the ship that's designing your time for transformation to get you where you want to go. And the fifth is what a lot of teams don't do well. Uh, a lot of teams you're on, uh, your family even, which is the route. Uh, you plan ahead to get to where you want to go, um, which is planning ahead and also evaluating were we on the right course and what got in the way so that every six months is it on the calendar to plan the next six months to go back again system and soul this is like y'all do all this but this is different language for a holistic way that groups and leadership teams can be more intentional you're usually missing one of those five and you can identify and and do better on that's really good and i appreciate the system and soul plug martha talk talk to us through how you do this like what is the intentionality with the in the recruiting, what does that look like? Like, how do you know? And then what is it that you, you know, what's the that look like as you guide them through that? Sure. So on my end, I mean, outside of my family, uh, leading young men in a group setting has given me the absolute most joy in my life. Uh, Robbie, you mentioned earlier the fact that, I mean, the high percentage of guys that retire to the golf course and uh, never, I mean, don't finish well as I think Rusty Gordon would put it, um, those are the guys that never tasted the, the, the joy and the just absolute excitement of leading young men. And so from a, a recruiting perspective, my goal is another, I think Reggie quote, more time with fewer people equals greater kingdom impact. And so my co-mentor Marcus and I, we take on six high potential guys on a yearly basis and we do a very intensive uh, 10-month leadership development process. Uh, the first step of that is the recruiting process. So as a uh, recruiter by trade, um, that's an area where I bring a lot of value. And my goal in the recruiting process is I'm going to cast a very wide net. I'm going to talk to a lot of people 
I'm going to have a very, very specific niche profile that I'm looking for. So with with my guys specifically, I'm looking to for 30 to 40-year-old young men. All of these guys have to be married. Uh, most all are going to have a young family. Uh, and then most all are going to be business guys because that's where I feel like I can provide a lot of value from a business perspective. And uh, the key aspect of that profile is I want the absolute highest potential leader that I can find. And so I think I mentioned it earlier. I'm looking for missiles, even though they might not be guided missiles. And in the recruiting process, I talk to each one of these guys. And my focus is really to kind of talk them out of joining the group and just set a super high expectation. And I mean, you tell a, I mean, a 35-year-old I mean, VP of sales that he can't cut it in your group. I mean, you, you ought to see how much they're going to rise to the occasion. And so uh, talking them out of it, um, absolute cream of the crop with those six guys. And then from day one, just setting extremely high expectations. And so I want to let them know that, I mean, their time is valuable. Their family's time is valuable. The, the other guys in the group, their time is valuable. My time is valuable. I'm not trying to waste it. And uh, kind of a cool stat. So I've had five groups to this point. That's 30 guys that have been in the group. That's 45 meetings total, including eight overnight retreats. Uh, that equals, I think, 270 swings. And at that point, uh, I've had four people that have been tardy for a meeting and then zero that have missed a meeting, which is pretty impressive. And I think, I think a lot of that is, uh, I mean, God's blessing and helping select those men and setting really, really high expectations. But then it's also a bit of peer pressure. I mean, you got these guys that are all, I mean, they come into that first meeting and they're kind of seeing what their competition is yeah. and edging is out. And they come to the next meeting and they fumble on their scripture memory or haven't read the book. I mean, it's uh, I mean, a little bit embarrassing, to be honest. And so I try to use my uh, this process and, and my leadership skills that I've developed over the last, I mean, however many years with a bit of peer pressure to have maximum impact on these guys and these leaders. Like I feel my, like my best investment is going to be from uh, leading leaders versus leading followers. So that's really the North Star. And then from uh, an actual uh, leadership perspective, another quote is, I mean, deep work over time in community. And so deep work over time in community, deep work. I mean, we're, we're talking about big boy stuff. Like my, uh, my partner in this, Marcus, is uh, an FBI agent. And I mean, he's really the, the hammer in our group where I'm more of maybe the velvet hammer, or a little softer relationship focused perspective. But he says all the time, like, we're doing big boy stuff. This is not little boy stuff. And then uh, over time, and this is a process. So it's kind of a, I mean, a, a Peter versus Paul perspective. So you got Paul who... I mean, scales on his eyes, and the next day he's, I mean, out preaching in the temple. And then you got Paul who spent, I mean, three years with Jesus and still denied him on his on his last days, but then ultimately came around and, I mean, built the church. I mean, one of the, I mean, whatever your faith is, it's one of the greatest movements the world has ever seen on a uh, the back of a, a group of guys and, and Peter kind of being that rock in the list. And then finally, I mean, in community. So, I mean, they're really, if you look at the New Testament, there's no lone rangers in the New Testament. I think another John Ritchie quote. So we're, we're in this, I mean, for the, for this 10 month period. And then we're, I mean, 
in it forever. So in, in my leadership with these guys, one of the, I think one of the most amazing things from my perspective is these guys have all turned into my best friends. So, I mean, you take a, you take a 35 year old guy or even a 45 year old guy like us. I mean, you sit down and make a list of, of guys who actually love you. And I would think that that's going to be very small where, I mean, these 30 guys, I mean, I, I tell them I love them. They tell them, they tell me that they love me and love me back and I can feel it. And so I, I think that's one of the, I mean, keynotes of this group is, I mean, you got to love these guys. So you come in, some, some of them are hard to love. And I mean, even if it goes down, I mean, talking about from a, a coaching perspective with young athletes, I mean, there's some of these guys that are I mean, hard to love, but you got to I mean, make yourself love these guys. It's the, I think, agape love versus the, the eros eros love what have you i mean an act of the will to love these guys and i think that makes all the difference in the group that you're leading and then i mean second is from a preparation perspective and so i mean i am extremely intentional about the process and maximizing and how well that i prepare and so i mean some sometimes i'll I'll be leading a group meeting and i mean these these guys will think i'm a sage and or an apostle like i memorize the scripture and i know this and when actually i just spent a couple hours beforehand and i mean having the show notes and being able to drive it and lead it and it's just like i mean coaching seven-year-old football you have some of these i've had assistant coaches that are so i mean overwhelmed and freaked out and i'm like you can't stay a step ahead of a seven-year-old and (laughs) coaching football I mean you don't have we're not running a spread offense like go in and prepare a little bit so I over prepare uh, I'm available to these guys and so I mean all most all of these guys are spending I me mean, multiple trips out on the boat and I mean doing this one-on-one time and I'm leading with vulnerability so from 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 day one in our first meeting really where I tell my story these guys look at me and they're like man this guy's all buttoned up and look at his LinkedIn profile and picture and then I come out and tell the non-Sunday school version of my story and they're like whoa man what what, what am I getting into so vulnerability uh service and and sacrifice and then I mean finally just uh extreme follow-up with these guys they I mean you got a guy in this season of life I mean how how many people actually follow up and care about them and and spend that time to say, I mean, hey, how's it going? I think you should look at this. Here's a book you should read, like going above and beyond with kind of a cadence and follow up and and making sure they're on the right track. So it's absolutely one of the most joyful areas in my life is is working with these young men and kind of from, it's hard to track stats in there, but uh, of those 30 guys, I've got eight now that are leading their own groups. Oh, so, amazing. Yeah, Reg used to say, you never, I mean, you never disciple until you make a disciple that's out making other disciples. So it's also joyful to get to see some of these guys get out and start their own group. And on a side note, I've had six guys that have stepped out and started their own business. So I'm, I'm always encouraging them, these guys to maximize their life and live life to the full. So it's been neat to go side by side and see some of these guys step out from an entrepreneurial perspective, which has been amazing. You guys both inspire me. Um, I'm fired up just listening to the two of you. Hey, hey before that, I, I just, as we talk about intentionality of relationships and wisdoms and finding mentors and stuff, there is one principle because a lot of us listening going, I don't have somebody ahead of me investing in me. Where are they? And so many men and women go, uh, I, I, I hear them saying, I don't have somebody that's caring about me, pouring into me the way Mark's describing. And w- where are they? 
there's a principle that that changes in mentorship uh, that I just want to throw out there. Um, we get trained in our teenage years and college years that older, wiser people pursue us and invest in us. And then we get out of college and we spend our 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s going, where are the mentors? Where are the people ahead of me to invest in me and care for me? And they're, uh, the men and women who are ahead of us in their 50s, 60s, 70s are going, where's the younger leaders who are hungry and curious and humble enough yeah. to seek wisdom? Yeah. It, it changes. The, the, the rule is after college that I observe is that it's now our responsibility to pursue and ask those ahead of us, can we learn from you? I agree. And they and so it's just a change in our mind of if if this is the cheat to intentionality and staying the course, all of us listening, going, who is somebody we know or where can we go find somebody we know? And it's our responsibility to pursue them. And yeah. all that looks like is asking them questions and then trusting their wisdom by applying what they say. That's it. That's the cheat code of where are the marks out there. A hundred percent. And I'll throw in this tidbit. Don't be afraid to pay for it either. Yes. Yes. I'm paying for it right now. I've, I've hey coaches. I've, I've consistently paid a coach for 15 years. Yep. At least one consistently through that time. At times, I had three, which was probably too many and, and a mistake. But yeah, uh, fools do not go to counseling. I'll leave that with that. And on that note, <laughs> hey, everybody, thanks for uh, joining. I hope you're as fired up and inspired for this new year as I am sitting with these two guys and the lives that they lead and the, the impact that they are able to make. Uh, I'll, I'll leave in the show notes a way to get a hold of both of them, find them both so that Mark can say no to you when you reach out. And I'll be like, what's up? Let's talk. <laughs> hey, uh, selective ne neglect is the term I'm taking from this podcast. So thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you enjoyed this. Uh, I'm curious. I know these guys really well. And so I'm curious your takeaways from this conversation. So if something hits you, let us know what it was. Shoot us a line. We'd appreciate it. Until next time, go get breakthrough.